When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Laker fans? Thank you very much for being a part of the show. We are exactly two weeks away, at least uh, a rough estimate here. Uh, Within the next two, two and a half weeks or so, we'll get training camp started. And then before you know it, October 1st, the Lakers, October 3rd, the first uh, preseason game for the Los Angeles Lakers. So a lot of great stuff going on here. We're obviously uh, gearing up for the Lakers season to start. I'm going to have Trevor Lane join us at about 7.30. Trevor Lane will join us from Lakers Nation. Always does a great job. Got a lot of questions for him around where the Lakers are right now. Um, I want to spend some time with exactly three weeks out from the first preseason game, how Laker fans are feeling about the upcoming season, high expectations, low expectations, uh, what does this team really need, so we'll do that. And then I, I thought there were some interesting articles over or podcasts that I want to respond to over the last uh, a few days or so. Uh, Momo, Ramona Shelburne, was talking about Russ. I know there was some conversation about the Lakers and the price tag that Danny Ainge and the Jazz are uh, putting on some of their young players, or at least players that they think the Lakers are interested in. Brian Windhorse was talking about the backcourt of Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, if he thinks that's going to work. So we got a lot to get into. And then I want to spend a little time talking about this, uh, this I think it's a fantastic series, this um, uh a series on uh, Hulu, the the legacy, and talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. So I'll do that as well. So let, let's start with this. So three weeks away from the first preseason games of the Lakers. You know, I think for me, I am always excited before a season starts. Uh, always excited to see, you know, obviously what this Laker team is going to bring. The NBA has got so many great storylines, and there's certainly a lot of good stuff in the Western Conference. you got a lot of good matchups that the Lakers are going to be in. Really, in their first 10, 15 games, there's a handful of games that are going to be against teams that were in the playoffs last year. So it always interests me. What I am more curious about, so put to get, put away the excitement of the season starting, is, is this team going to look any different? Is it going to look a lot different than last year? Um, will some of those younger additions be helpful? Will the addition of Patrick Beverly make a significant impact? Will Russ, in his second year with the Lakers, how will that fare after one full year of playing with the organization? What does Anthony Davis look like? That's the most important one out of anything. And you know, certainly LeBron James going into his 20th year, what does that version of LeBron look like? So to kind of answer my own question here, um, there is some excitement, but I think a lot of this is just going to be gauged on, well, how does the team start looking? I, I thought last year, right out the gate, I, I'm not specifically paying attention to preseason what their record was, that they were 0-6, but it, it didn't look good either. And there were a lot of times where you were so excited about last season, maybe it's helpful that the expectations are a lot lower this year, and expectations as in reality. 
Um, you know, obviously you want to see if you're a Laker fan, you're always going to say, yeah, they got to be competing for a championship, but there's a realistic portion of it. We got to see a lot of Lakers basketball to have any idea if the Lakers, what kind of conversation will they be in, in this upcoming year? Will it be a playing tournament conversation? Will it be a playoff conversation? Will it be one of the upper echelon teams in the Western conference? Let's, let's wait and see how things pan out. That to me is what I'm most looking forward to three weeks from now, that a preseason game comes What's the vibe like? What's the energy like? What's the optimism? What's the, um, what's the I don't want to call it finger pointing, but is there is there a vibe of, oh, no, no, this, this team, we're, we're ready to go every single night. Doesn't mean we're going to win every game. Doesn't mean, you know, that, that we got more talent than other squads out there. But every single night, you know what to expect from the Los Angeles Lakers, and there's some positive things that come with this team. That is what I'm most looking forward to three weeks uh, from tonight. So that, that's that's actually kind of crazy because their first preseason game is against the Sacramento Kings. It is on a Monday, and then they got a couple games in Vegas, uh, or at least uh, the location of those games are going to be in Vegas. But before we know it, the regular season will have started, and I think that uh, preseason basketball and training camp will tell a little bit of a story of if that excitement's going to grow or if you expect kind of similar things that we saw uh, a year ago. I, I saw Ramona Shelburne. We did a super cross talk earlier today and uh, saw Ramona. And um, she, it's interesting because this was coming from, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm sourcing this properly, but um, th- this Ramona was on and she was talking about um, Russ. And we know the conversation that we've had about Russ now for really, it seems like the last nine or 10 months about Russ. Every single week during that Lakers season, it was about Russ. Every single work week during the offseason is, are the Lakers going to, do they have the ability to move Russ? Is this the right fit for Russ? This is actually an interesting quote. Um, Ramona said that Russell Westbrook is very open to a trade. This is per Ramona Shelburne. He hasn't asked for a trade. I've been assured of that. But he's open to that, and somebody who wants him and wants to empower him and wants him to be Russell Westbrook of old. Uh, A couple reasons why I find this an interesting – I I make this as an interesting story. I've always said this, and a couple times I've done it where I'm trying to speak in Russell Westbrook's viewpoint, that if you're Russ and you see what obviously happened during the season and – you know what he's accustomed to being in the NBA. He obviously was completely. It was a completely different player last year, and he was not fitting into a role that the Lakers needed him to fit in. And that was with LeBron. That was without LeBron. That was with Anthony Davis. Without Anthony Davis, I always hate this. Well, they only played 21 games together. I think we saw enough Lakers basketball to where we could determine whether that was a good trio or it wasn't. And I think there were a lot of times it presented a lot more question marks than it did. Wow, that's great basketball. Kind of reading this quote back and forth here, that Russell Westbrook is not a buyout guy. Uh, this is, um, uh, again, this is Ramona on, why am I not finding the podcast here? It might have been Zach Lowe's podcast. That's what it was on the Low Post uh, podcast with Zach Lowe. You have to agree to a buyout, and that's not how he is wired. This is a guy who is very proud, and if you accept a buyout once in your career, you've you're you're seen differently throughout the rest of your career. You know, it goes on to say, um, I, I I tell you this, I I don't question by any stretch of the imagination that Russ 
would be open to a trade. And I could also see Russ not knocking on the Lakers' door and saying, hey, trade me. That if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And if there was a team out there that thought, hey, we'd like to have Russ on this team, but probably more importantly, we'd like to have the fact that his contract is about to expire at the end of this year. We'd like to have kind of start listing all the reasons here. We'd like to have um, uh, first-round picks from the Lakers, which is obviously always critically important, especially if you're a team that's rebuilding, especially if you're a team that would have uh, who would have interest in Russ. Those are part of the main reasons why you would want him. Maybe you want him too because he can help sell some tickets at this stage of his career. I think that's a, that's a question mark right there. But it, it is... It is interesting to kind of hear that coming from Ramona. Ramona's got as good a sources as anybody. Obviously, she's as plugged in as anybody. Uh, he's very open to a trade. I've been assured of that, but he's open to that. And somebody who wants him and wants to empower him and wants him to be Russell Westbrook of old. This is just my own opinion. I think those days are over. I don't think anybody is trying to trade for Russ and handing him the keys the way he had the keys with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Or... Hey, it's you and James Harden. This is both your guys' team. Go make the best of it. Or, hey, it's you and Paul George. Or it's you and Bradley Beal. Uh, Those days are over. And I don't think there's going to be a team, and and maybe that's just kind of false hope there from from Russ's perspective of, can can I get a situation where that's what it looks like? I don't think those days, I really think those days are behind him. I think the best chance for Russ, whether it's with the Lakers or it's somewhere else, is he falls into a specific, specific line. He falls into a specific, specific role. And it's not superstar It's not superstar status anymore. Uh, and this is, you know, this is something that I'm sure every player has to adjust with at some stretch in their, in their career. And you don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson. Look at all these other players that are, um, you were a guy that was a constant all-star in the NBA, and then all of a sudden, Carmelo is a good example. Carmelo Anthony finds out at some stage in his career, I cannot ask to be the player I used to be. I cannot walk in the way I used to walk into uh, uh, to organizations, that I am treated differently and their perspective on me is completely different than it used to be. Unless Russ treats the rest of his career that way, I think he's going to have difficulty the rest of his time in the NBA. Now, one thing that will play to his advantage after this year ends, that $47 million contract is off the books. That maybe he can sign a, another contract down the road, but it's a one-year deal for $10 million. It's a two-year deal for $15 million, $18 million, but there's a second-year option that's a team option, not Russ. That's probably what's going to happen the rest of his career, especially after this season. The um, franchise walking in, walking in and empowering him to be the old Russell Westbrook, I think, is just old news, and I don't see it happening. I really don't. Now, this is kind of a good segue here. Um, there was uh, there was an article that came out over the weekend as well, and it's talking about how the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, which is really one of the teams that. Um, um, we've spent a lot of time on talking about potential trade opportunities with the Lakers. And this was coming from Brad Sullivan of AHN, um, talking about specifically um, packages, and Zach Lowe as well, uh, packages that, that the Utah Jazz are looking for 
for some of their players and how they value some of their top-notch players, at least role players. Remember, they already traded away Rudy Gobert. They already traded away Donovan Mitchell. He's now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Gobert with the Minnesota Timberwolves. There's some players left. There's Jordan Clarkson. There's Bigdanovich. There's Beasley. There's Mike Conley. And we come back, I want to spend a little time on this, of what they feel the value is for those players, what Danny Ainge feels like is the value for those players, which is probably making it more and more likely that Russ ain't going anywhere and he's probably definitely not going to the Utah Jazz and that the the uh, roster that the Lakers have today, we should expect that same roster by the time we get from three weeks from today on October 1st. We're going to do that coming up, uh, or October 3rd. We're going to do that when we come back. Uh, plus, I got Trevor Lane joining us at 7.30, so in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, stay right here. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, just a quick reminder. Trevor Lane going to be joining the show here in uh, right around 7.30 or so, so make sure you stay tuned in for that. Got some questions for him around uh, Lakers basketball. Certainly spent some time on Russ, on Anthony Davis, on Darvin Ham, on some of the young players, so uh, stick around for that. So uh, just talking about, so the Utah Jazz, um, that has been, we've talked a lot about the Utah Jazz since really the offseason, and once it started looking like, hey, I think they're going to start selling off all their players. Started with Rudy Gobert. Um, then it turned to Donovan Mitchell. I still don't understand why they traded Donovan Mitchell, but I mean, that's a young player you can build off of. Okay, is what it is. They're completely rebuilding. They still got players on that team that are vets or guys that have been around the league long enough, some good playoff experience. Certainly a team like the Lakers would probably love to get their hands on a couple of those guys. The question just comes down to what is the value that the Utah Jazz have on these individual players? So I'll tell you what the value is. Zach Lowe on his podcast says the he's talking about Jordan Clarkson, Bigdanovich, Beasley. Mike Conley's there as well too, but he's talking about those three players. From what I've been told around the league, the Jazz feel all three of those guys are worth a first round pick. I'll just stop right there. Um, I've been a proponent of it, and where do I feel that the Lakers are going to be by the time training camp starts? I think the roster that they have now is the roster they're going to have. Uh, by the time they get to that first preseason game, I think you're going to see Russ on the team. I think you're going to see Pat, you know, obviously Pat Bev and those guys trying to work together. I, I think that's going to be your backcourt. And then you're not guaranteed. We did this last week. This was after Darvin Ham talked. No one is guaranteed minutes. No one is 
it's not like you have to guarantee Russ, hey, you're going to start, and it's not like you're going to have to guarantee Russ you're going to close out games. And that goes with everybody. That's Patrick Beverly as well. If, you're not, if your name's not LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you're not guaranteed anything. So I make mention of this because as much as I'm a proponent of the Lakers to try to get more role players and see if they can get out of Russ's contract, and more importantly, just, just Russ's contract, because it's an expiring contract, it's not the end of the world, but it's more can you get role players that you feel like are going to help you win this year, significantly change uh, change the chances of you becoming a team that nobody really wants to face in the Western Conference, or you're a tough out, make it simple as that. Um this is another reason why I think the Lakers are going to end up with Russ because if teams like the um, like the Utah Jazz, first off, I don't think Danny Ainge wants to help the Lakers in any way, but if teams like the Utah Jazz think that Clarkson and Bogdanovich and Beasley are worth worth three first-round picks, and obviously you're not going to get a deal done. Like That's not going to happen. Um, and maybe this is just rumors out there, and maybe this is more just – you know, posturing, and maybe this is more for negotiation purposes. But if we've gone this long, and I, I didn't think there were earlier times in the summer where I wasn't paying too much attention to how long the offseason has been and their move hasn't been made. You were waiting to see what KD was going to do. Then you were waiting to see uh, what, what would happen to Donovan Mitchell. And then you reached a point where it was like, okay, well, now there could actually potentially be deals that get done. In this instance, where we sit today I think this is a great example of, yeah, it would not be smarter the Lakers to deal with the Utah Jazz, and it just kind of is what it is. And if that's the same case with the Indiana Pacers, then it is what it is. It's not like there was Kyrie Irving coming back and you felt like we, if we get a chance to do it, then we'll do it. And we get that one player could make a significant difference in what happens this upcoming year. And I don't think these role players, who I like them. I, look, I'm a fan of Bogdanovich. I think Jordan Clarkson has found a great role with the Utah Jazz, certainly had a great role as a sixth man. But with all that being said, um, it sounds more that the Utah Jazz just don't want to do a deal with the Lakers. So it is what it is. Um, another article that I want to reference to because a lot of, so a lot of the conversation now is if this is the roster that the Lakers end up with to start the season, um, how much of this new backcourt with Russ and Patrick Bagley, how much of it will actually work? Does it have some legs? Do you feel like this is something that, uh, Laker fans will get excited about Brian Windhorst, who I have on the show probably once a month or so. And I'm a huge Brian Windhorst fan. Always pay attention to his opinion. Um, I'm just a big fan of his work. So it's funny because on ESPN, he was talking specifically about the backcourt duo, this new backcourt that the Lakers have. And it was one of the sports center segments they were doing. And this is exactly what he said about those two working together. He said, I'm still trying to get over that we had Beverly and Westbrook on the list of notable backcourts. There was a, a list out there that ESPN had put out, and it was Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. It was just kind of watching out for different backcourts. And towards the bottom, Russ and Patrick Beverly were there. Now, by the way, I, I don't disagree with him that, that, that they should be on this list of watch out for this backcourt. That doesn't make all the sense in the world. He said, ahead of at least seven or eight other ones, you can't tell me that you can't tell me that that backcourt can work in any circumstance in the 2022 NBA, and you can't tell me that LeBron has any interest in playing with those two guys. 
running the floor for him. Um, I'm not telling you that he's wrong, but I will say this. Can we give it a second to marinate? And again, we might be sitting here a couple months into the season and Windhorse could be exactly right, and I wouldn't be surprised if he is. But there is something about just let's just see this thing whole this whole thing work together. This will be part of the conversation I'm going to have with Trevor when he comes on. Uh, part of that conversation is going to be about some of the different things to look forward to, some of the different storylines. And there is this maybe blind faith before the season starts of, hey, maybe some of these guys can work together. Hey, maybe some of these guys can find a way to be successful. But let's just put it this way. Brian Windhorse, he is 100% not having it, and he does not have any interest in seeing uh, those two play together or think that those two are going to thrive in any any certain way or fashion. So there was um, there has been a lot of dialogue about some of the Lakers offseason and the moves that they didn't make. Last week I got a chance. I did a Spectrum. So Spectrum, obviously the Laker channel. Every once in a while they reach out and they'll have me come on and do one of their shows. Always enjoyed doing it. Was on there last week. Mike Bresnahan, Ali Clifton, two of my favorite people to work with. And um, there was a conversation specifically about Anthony Davis. And it was you know, your confidence of where AD is and how big of a season this is for him. Um, I've kind of fallen into this trap the last couple of years. And I wanna I wanna put everything to the side here. So let's put let's put aside the Lakers expectations this upcoming year. Let's put aside Patrick Beverly. Let's put aside Russ. Let's put aside Darvin Ham. Let's put aside LeBron James. Put all that to the side for a quick second. Let's just talk Anthony Davis. And I said during that show that I am now a believer that for Anthony Davis moving forward, I'm not going to have this leap of faith. I'm not going to set, I'm not going to just kind of walk blindly and say, oh, you wait this upcoming season and you just watch for Anthony Davis and what he's going to do this year. And, and AD's been listening to all the criticism and AD's been listening to, you know, Jokic and Embiid and Giannis and everybody talking about how great of those three big men are and those are the top three vote getters in the MVP. You just wait because Anthony Davis has something to prove. I did that two years in a row. And every Laker fan out there understands that Anthony Davis basically is the Lakers franchise right now. That as he goes, the Lakers go. And if you play 40 games this upcoming year, and whether Braun is great and Russ is great and Darvin Ham's the best coach in the NBA and Patrick Beverly understands his role and all these other young pieces are developing and helping, it all doesn't mean anything if Anthony Davis is not Anthony Davis. And when I say that I'm not going to have that blind faith anymore, I'm going to have to now see it to believe it. I'm hoping for it. You know, I'm hoping uh, he's walking into a critical stage, I think, in his career. Does he have an NBA championship? He does. Is that enough for Laker fans? Of course it's not. The championship came during the bubble season. It feels like it was a long time ago. And the Lakers, um, their their lack of success the, la- the last two years is specifically because Anthony Davis just haven't, hasn't been on the floor enough. Uh, that to me is what – that's the storyline for me this upcoming year. I'm kind of over some of the rust stuff, even though I know it's a conversation 
a lot of the time, but the Lakers are not where they are one way or the other because of Russ. They are where they are because of Anthony Davis. And if AD is that player, if he's not that player, that's going to really have so much to do with the Lakers having success or they're not having success. So that's the one thing I kind of wanted to hit on and I wanted to point out because as much this offseason, we've thrown all these different topics out there and we've had different storylines. That continues to be the foundation storyline. Is AD coming back to being one of the baddest players in the league or are they, those days just over and we got to stop wishing it? I think this season we're going to find out a lot about that. And I hope, you know, that that the less – like I'm not looking at this year the way I was the last couple years and expecting it to happen. I have to now see it to actually believe it. And that's uh, that's kind of an unfortunate position to be in, but that's the truth. Why would I – why would I have a different feeling about Anthony Davis? I'm actually curious. I'm going to ask Trevor uh, about this when he comes on, uh, what he feels about uh, kind of the, those expectations for Anthony Davis. But I feel like a lot of Laker fans are like this. I feel like a lot of Laker fans, we have said it for the last couple of years, well, watch out. You know, When AD is healthy, just uh, this guy, oh, man, this is going to be his year. And we'll see if the, the days of what Anthony Davis was bringing to the table – um, a couple years ago, if those days still exist or if those are now behind. And he's so young, too. I mean, he's 29. He'll be 30 during the season, something something along those lines. To even have that conversation is kind of crazy. Okay, the the man, the myth, the legend, Trevor Lane, Lakers Nation. He's coming up next. Stay right here. Uh, you're listening to Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. A frequent guest, a good friend of the show, Trevor Lane, who uh, does pretty much everything for Lakers Nation, as good as content as you can get on Lakers basketball, taking some time to join uh, join the show. Trev, we are three weeks away from Los Angeles Lakers preseason basketball. I know I don't have to tell you that. I know I don't have to remind you of that. But uh, just uh, getting your thoughts, your feelings about uh, being so close to the season starting. I can't wait, Alan. I, I'm so excited for Lakers basketball to come back, and I, I think it's I think it's the time, really, right? Time heals all wounds. We were certainly wounded coming out of, of last season. A lot of people were ready to take a break from the Lakers, but I'm at a point right now where I'm feeling a little basketball starved, and I could use some uh, the Lakers to get back in action. So I can't wait three weeks till we see the preseason, and uh, 
I'm ready for it, man. I'm ready to see the Lakers back out on the floor. Well, it's funny, actually. By setting it up that way, I'm with you that by the time we got to, you know, April 1st, and it was pretty much a wrap that the Lakers are not going to make the playing tournament and the San Antonio Spurs are winning games and the Lakers aren't, um, there was this, can this season just end? And I don't remember, you know, it's been a long time since I've said that about the Lakers. You'd have to go back to when they're, you know, drafting the D'Angelo Russells and the Ingrams and the Lonzos and you're cheering, really, you're watching Laker games hoping they do lose so they can help their draft uh, chances to go get the number one pick. And last season gave you that feeling. So now that we had literally an entire full offseason, you can't get a longer offseason than the Lakers have had. Um, tell me some things that you are, aside from the fact that time has passed, what is making you excited about the upcoming year? Are there some storylines that you're really interested in? What is it that you're most looking forward to? Well, I think part of it is it's, it's the honeymoon period right now, right? Everybody is zero for zero. Nobody has suffered any any terrible losses or anything like that so the part of the anticipation is just that it's just you know everybody's optimistic about their rosters but i'm really curious to see these new guys that have been brought in i want to see what damian jones thomas bryant can be juan toscano anderson i can't i can't wait i mean his energy level is absolutely fantastic can't wait to see him out there lonnie walker uh austin reeves we've heard all about his development had troy brown jr on the wing I want to see how a team with LeBron, with AD, with Russell Westbrook, surrounded by young guys with fresh legs. We saw some success with that type of a setup last season where just having young guys in to do the dirty work, that saw more success than the the older players that were on the roster. Can that continue over into this season? So I'm excited to see how all those guys can fit alongside LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook. We'll see. There's still trade talks going on, but we'll see what ultimately happens there. And then, and then what, what kind of shape are LeBron and AD in? I mean, we, we kind of we look at last season and there were so many injuries that we forget just how talented these guys, these guys are and how ridiculously good they are. So I want to see if they can bounce back. Pickley Anthony Davis, can he become that guy again that we saw a couple of seasons ago? Because that could be, you know, as much as we talk about the Lakers need a trade, they need more shooting, they need more this, they need more that. That doesn't matter unless you get the top-tier version of Anthony Davis. So I can't wait to see him back out there on the floor as well and see what the Lakers have there. Trevor Lane taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Trevor, before I get into some of those trade rumors that you were talking about, um, uh, you know, one of the things that, and I think this is just natural, just simply the fact that there is a new head coach um, and you're kind of curious how he can motivate the players and you're curious what he decides to do in late-game situations and what his rotations look like, and all that's going to come over time. Um, the piece of having Darvin Ham as the coach, the fact that he has not been a head coach in the past, obviously been very successful as an assistant coach, are there some styles or some things that you're looking at with him that also um, have you looking forward to the upcoming season? Because in a weird way, for me, I, I'm not 100% sure what to expect and what he's going to do in certain predicaments. That part to me is always uh, always fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see Darvin Ham, what he rolls out there. And that's one of the things I'm really going to be watching for in preseason because we know like preseason, the minutes, the, the role, the, those things are going to fluctuate. You might see LeBron play 12 minutes one night in preseason or not at all. And you know, that, that stuff's all going to be all over the place. But I want to see scheme-wise, what is it that they're trying to do? What are they trying to generate on the offensive end? What are their basic 
tenants on the defensive end of the floor. We're going to get an early peek at that during preseason play, get an example of what it is that the Lakers are are geared towards. So I'm excited to see the style of play. I'm excited to see how he handles different situations, uh, how he handles the rotation. Uh, is there stability? 41 different starting lineups for the Lakers last season, which is incredible. Do we see stability in the starting five? Do we see a, a stability in terms of who closes out the game? How does he manage players? How does he motivate players? How hard do players play for him? There's so mm. many different things that we're going to watch for uh, with Darvin Ham at the helmet. So that's, that's absolutely a key part of this coming season. Trev, there was a, a report over the weekend that was, this is going to go back to some of the rumors and everything else. I, I, I think at this point, we are so close to the season starting and training camp starting and preseason starting. Um, I am now under the belief that Russ will be a Los Angeles Laker. Um, but before I get into some of that stuff, there was a report that Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz, so we obviously know Danny Ainge now runs Utah, um, president of basketball operations there. We know what the Jazz strategy is. Try to get as many draft picks as possible. Rudy Gobert went to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Donovan Mitchell went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But the report talked about how this was Zach Lowe on his podcast saying that um, the second package, uh, well, really just talking about some of the players, that Jordan Clarkson, Bogdanovich, Beasley, and he says, from what I've been told around the league, the Jazz feel all three of those guys are worth a first-round pick. If that's the case, then there's no deal that's out. And he's obviously, a lot of that conversation has been between the Lakers and can they make a deal with the Utah Jazz now that the Jazz already made a deal. I'm curious to get your thoughts. At this stage, at this point, um, seeing how where some front offices value their players, how important first-rounders are, do you see anything happening, and, and what do you take from that report that the Jazz are, are uh, at least for those players that I announced, putting value as those guys as being first-rounders? No, I'm, I'm with you, Alan. I'm at the point where I have crossed that threshold. Once we got past Labor Day, I thought, okay, well, most likely then the roster is what it is. Uh, they have a 14th roster spot they have to fill, so something's going to happen. But, uh, but still, the Lakers, I think the, the Russell Westbrook is on the roster to start the season. It takes one phone call to change that. You never know what trade negotiations, but I feel like it's more likely that he is part of the team uh, to start the season. And then as far as the Jazz stuff goes, I, I agree with what Zach Lowe was, was saying. I mean, look, if they think Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Beasley, each of those guys individually is worth a first, so together it would cost three firsts to get those guys, then I, I don't see how you really come to a, a deal unless the Lakers suddenly decide they're willing to, to go for a package of Mike Conley and Bogdanovich and the Jazz are willing to go down to just one first, which I don't think they are for that. But um, that, I just don't see a, a clear path there. It feels like the, the gap between what the Lakers would be willing to pay and what the Jazz are going to be asking for is simply too wide. And for the Jazz, from their side of things, they may be better off taking those players and selling them off individually to sure. different teams. We've heard a number of teams around the NBA are interested in some of these veterans that the Jazz have. So I don't think it's far-fetched to think that both the Jazz and the Lakers would be – there would be a big gap between what the Lakers would offer and what the Jazz would be would be willing to do and vice versa. So I'd be surprised if anything happens there. And I don't know that it's really the best thing for the Lakers either. There's nothing really coming from the Utah side that makes me think, okay, get those guys and you've got a championship contender. So I understand if the Lakers would be hesitant. Do you, are, are you are you where I am? Where I think at this point, when the ball they roll the ball out, come October third, three weeks from today, 
the roster that the Lakers have. I know they still have some roster spots available, but that for the most part, who they have is probably what it will be. Yeah, yeah, I think it will be. I think we could we could wind up seeing a situation like last year where Austin Reeves got bumped up from a two-way contract to take the 14th roster spot. Wouldn't surprise me if like a Cole Swider, Scottie Pippen Jr., one of those guys just gets bumped up for that 14th roster spot that's open and the Lakers leave their 15th spot uh, open heading into the season. And that would mean that essentially the roster is what it is right now. And that, that's really what I'm expecting to happen. I don't think they're going to go make a big free agent signing at this point. I started the show, Trev, talking about um... – Ramona was on Ramona Shelburne from ESPN was on with Zach Lowe on his podcast. And she, she said this, that and I'll get your, get your thoughts on, on kind of where you think he is at this stage of his career. But she said, Russell Westbrook is very open to a trade. He hasn't asked for a trade. I've been assured of that, but he's open to that. And somebody who wants him and wants to empower him and wants him to be what Russell Westbrook of old, I'm I'm under the belief of this, and I think there's just certain players, they reach a stage of their career, what they were in the past is in the past, and there's nothing wrong with it. It just comes with maybe the NBA is changing. Maybe what made you so great before is either you've slowed down or the, the game is continuing to evolve or whatever the case is, and I think that's where Russ is at this stage of his career. Um, if... I just don't see a window opening up to empower him or kind of try to find a franchise saying, let's find the Russell Westbrook of old. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you agree that there, I think the most attractive part of Russ at this stage of his career is that he's on an expiring contract. The unfortunate thing is it's $47 million um, that the days of Russell Westbrook in the past are over, but probably more importantly, how do you think he takes that, and how do you think if he is still going to be an effective player in the NBA, what is it that you want to see from Russ? Yeah, I mean, the big question is, does Russell? how does he see himself? Does he, does he admit that that's where he's at, or does he say, nope, I'm still Russell Westbrook, I'm still going to do all these things, and if a team is willing to give me that opportunity, I would gladly go there. I mean, the, his breakup with his agent earlier in the summer, that suggested that that Russ would still prefer to be somewhere else, that he would like to see a trade. But I, do, I can't think of a team out there. Maybe there's somebody that we don't know, but I can't think of a team out there that would trade for him to actually put him on the floor. They're trading for him as an expiring contract and then would probably waive him, and then he would have to go sign somewhere in free agency. And even then, he probably doesn't wind up with a team that says, here's the ball, Russ, go do your thing, and we're going we're gonna to set up the team around you. I just don't think that's reality for him anymore. Um, I'm, he's got 47 million reasons to believe that he's still Russell Westbrook, the guy that can dominate. But the guy that we saw last season, particularly when you look at his finishing percentage around the rim, which dropped by about 10% compared to the guy that we saw a couple of years ago, before that in the playoffs with the Houston Rockets, um, it suggests that he's just not that superstar player anymore. And that can be a hard thing to admit. It's a hard transition to make. Some guys can't do it. But ideally, I think what you'd want to see out of Russell Westbrook are some things that We've been actually saying for a long time about him setting more screens, working off balls, setting up in the dunker position, uh, being a slasher, really buying in on the defensive end of the floor, putting his energy in there instead of uh, on scoring points or any other place. So it's asking him to change a lot of his game. He made some changes last season, but in order to be the guy that the Lakers need him to be this season, which I've joked is is kind of like a $47 million version of of Bruce Brown, who's now with, with the Denver Nuggets, you're asking him to be that type of player, which is not what Russ has been in the past. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that, those are the things that I'd like to see out of him. Focus 
75 percent of your energy on the defensive side of the ball and then let everything else fall into place from there you're going to have to be willing to be an off-ball guy to set up in the corner shoot the corner threes it's asking him to be a very different player than what he's been in the past and that's going to be a big storyline this season can he accept that change that Darvin Ham is going to ask from him. Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation taking some time to join Lakers talk here. Um, Trev, it's it's funny because I, I I saw Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, obviously um, uh, former Laker great, was speaking to Bill Dilafipo of the Dime, and it's you know he was explaining Russ and he was talking about how he thought Russ was just being too nice last season um, that. He was being too respectful, I guess is the right way to put it. And he's more referring to how he was playing with LeBron, whether in the backcourt or not, and that he just kind of wanted Russ to just be himself, just be yourself and go. Isn't it kind of funny? I feel like there's this, there's a balance here of you hear some people say that where the conversation is, well, Russ just got to be himself. And then there's other people saying, well, Russ can't be himself because you're playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis. You got to adjust with those two. I think we're – I just hope the conversation this year, we're not – everyone's kind of still questioning, should he be doing this, should he be doing that? I really hope that by the time we get to the season starting, and obviously you're going to have those preseason games, and yes, there's some new faces on the team. There's younger players. There's Patrick Beverly that you may very well share a backcourt with when the season starts. I really hope there is no more questions about what his role is, that he's familiar with it, he knows exactly what it is, and if Darvin feels like he's not performing it or he doesn't want to play that role, then he could you know, he could address it how he sees fit. Certainly it's not like Russ has a ton of leverage on his side, but man, wouldn't that be nice? You just kind of know night in and night out what, you, what you're going to get from Russ and what the team is expecting from him. Yeah, 100%. I think that's going to be incredibly important that if we're going to change what the definition of success is for Russell Westbrook, what that looks like, he needs to know mm-hmm. what that is. That needs to be communicated to him in order for him to, to have any kind of expectation of, of doing that. So I, I fully agree. If we're, going to, if we're going to ask him to do different things, then he needs to be able to – he needs to know exactly what it is that the team needs from, from him. And it could be as simple as when LeBron is off the floor, flip the switch, and you are the old Russell Westbrook go do your thing and stop being nice all of that when lebron's on the floor you got to play this role maybe that's what it comes down to but regardless whatever it is that darvin ham wants it's just got to be clearly communicated so he knows exactly what success is going to look like for him um you know i, I know we talked a little bit about the we, we talked a little bit about anthony davis and then uh um i just kind of we continued our conversation i'm gonna go back to ad for a quick second here uh there was a time, and I found myself these last couple of years really looking at Anthony Davis, as we all have, as, hey, the, the Lakers go as AD goes. He's so critical. He's this, he's that. Yes, the guy has to be healthy. If he's not playing in 65 to 70 games, what are we really talking about? All the time we're spending about Russ and Patrick Beverly and LeBron in his 20th year, that AD is is the player that, that uh, certainly makes the Lakers go. Um where do you stand on, on AD right now as we start looking at the best players in the league and the best big men with Giannis and Jokic and Embiid and go down the list of all these great players that the, that the, uh, that the league has? Where, where are you on your confidence level of what AD is going to be this year? 
Can AD get back to a couple years ago? I've been 0 for 2 the last couple seasons thinking, hey, you know, Anthony Davis really going to, he's really going to uh, show the league once again what he is, what he's all about. He's going to carry the Lakers. Now, I'm, I'm no longer on that, uh, I'm no longer on that bridge. I think I'm now, you got to show me for me to believe it. You still got a ton of faith in that? And, and how do you feel about where AD is? I think that if we're ever going to see that Anthony Davis again, it's now. It's now or never. This is, this is it. He's 29 years old. He'll be 30 in March. Uh, if the Lakers are going to have him moving forward as their guy, which that was going to be that was the idea of bringing him in, was as LeBron has, enters that kind of downward slope and eventually maybe rides off into the sunset, Anthony Davis is the guy for you moving forward. If you're going to build your roster around him for the foreseeable future, now is when we have to see it. It's again, given his age, given the situation with his contract, has two more years under contract uh, that, that's guaranteed. Then he's got, I believe, a player option. So it's it's now or never. Right now, this is the point where Anthony Davis needs to step up, needs to be that dominant player again. We've seen flashes. We haven't seen him play at that tip-top high level where you're looking at a potential MVP candidate since the bubble in Orlando. Can he get, get back to that again? I'm, I'm kind of where you're at, where after two seasons of injuries and not really seeing quite that level of play, I'm, I need to see it on the floor. But I also think we have the highest chance of seeing it right now because I think he knows where he's at. He knows that his, his back's kind of against the wall and he's got to prove himself again because he's supposed to be Right. Coming into the, to the Lakers, we said this is one of the, the greats at the, at the position. He's supposed to be up there with Giannis, with Jokic, as being one of those top-tier bigs with Embiid in the NBA, and we haven't seen that for the last two seasons. So if it doesn't happen this season, I think I'm out on seeing it happen again. Trev, thank you, buddy. Always appreciate you coming on. Great insight, great content. You could follow Trevor Lane on Twitter. Does a fantastic job on YouTube as well. Uh, Trev, thanks for the time, buddy. Oh, no problem, Alan. Anytime. Thank you for having me. All right, that is Trevor Lane right there. we got our final thoughts coming up next. Stay right here. Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, shout out to Trevor Lane for always taking the time to uh, join the show. Appreciate him doing that. Three weeks from today, Lakers will start their first preseason game. They got the Sacramento Kings on October 3rd, then a trip to Vegas. They got Phoenix, Minnesota, and then um, Golden State Warriors on the 9th. Again, on the 12th, they got the Minnesota Timberwolves and then Sacramento on the 14th, and then we'll uh, we'll start the regular season. We're getting closer, Laker fans. We definitely are. Um, so I don't know if you guys have been watching some of this, uh, the legacy, the true story of the Lakers. Um, I don't know if you guys have been watching it. I have. Uh, I don't think I got to sell anybody on this. Anybody who goes out of their way to listen to this show, probably a diehard Laker fan. Uh, anybody who follows me knows – my uh my fandom for the Los Angeles Lakers and an honor to cover the franchise. Uh, this thing is so good, and I have not watched um the latest episode. So the last episodes I watched was I believe five and six, and I got to tell you guys, 
the episode of Eddie Jones and Nick Van Exel and bringing Magic back and then the Lakers trading and Jerry West and and them working out Kobe and then trading Vlade for Kobe and signing Shaquille O'Neal from the Orlando. Man, I love it. I really do. And, you know, I, I don't have, definitely don't have a close relationship with Jeannie, but um, I've always really respected her and have had, you know, conversations here and there. And uh, she is just, uh, I, I'd sent her an email. And this just kind of shows you Jeannie Buss. This is, this is somebody who obviously is so popular in the sports world and is the governor of the Los Angeles Lakers, yet she still finds a way if I send her an email. And it was really just about this Hulu series. Uh, how freaking quick and nice enough she is to send an email back. And I know Laker fans probably have a lot of experience in this too because she is like this with Laker fans, always saying hello and this cordial at the games and everything else. But um, yeah, I just always uh, respect that and appreciate it so much. But this Hulu series is fantastic and I'm in my era. This is my era. I'm a I'm a Shaq and Kobe. That's my era and the Dell Harris years and obviously the losing with Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones. So that series has been uh, absolutely fantastic. Um I don't know what to make of this whole in-season tournament in the NBA. So it was announced last week. We were doing the show. Uh, we were doing the show from uh, a golf course last year, our annual golf tournament. And Shams, right before the show ended, had reported that the NBA has come up with framework for an in-season tournament. A competition's been rumored for years, and. Um, Adam Silver over the All-Star weekend, so this is a while back, he said, I think we're moving closer to it. And it looks like this in-season tournament is going to happen. I got to be honest with you, Laker fans. I genuinely don't fully understand how this thing is going to work. Okay, And I've read some different things about it. Um, uh, there's going to be a tournament in the middle of the season. It won't be this year. It'll be the following year. Um, eight teams will advance to a single elimination round. There is uh, details that I'm sure will come out, and um, I'm sure there's a lot of money that also will be trying to uh, sway a lot of these players as far as the uh, association goes. But it's not going to happen for this upcoming season. It happened in, uh, in in for next season. But Ed, it's a it's a real possibility, and you know we'll wait for all the details when they eventually come. I don't know how to feel about it. This is the one thing that I will say. For those who are like, why the hell do you have an in-season tournament? Who the hell cares? Um, and I guess if you're not part of these eight teams that move on, they just the other teams just continue their regular season. Uh, I, I want to pause here before I either bash it or say that I like it. I will give Adam Silver this, and I think Adam Silver deserves this. He's tried different stuff out in the NBA. They're open to doing things differently. They're opening to open to improving the product, and they don't always hit. I think the replays sometimes are, are an absolute joke, and they slow the game time. I hate that everything is called a foul. Um, I hate that so much of the NBA is predicated towards an advantage towards the offensive player. Uh, I wasn't the playing tournament. Uh, I think I kind of lean both ways on that. Do you really need to be in the playing tournament if you're 10 games below 500? You still have a chance to make the playoffs. But I like that they try different things. Some things will work, some things won't. Other people love the playing tournament. Other people love some of the rule changes that they've had in the NBA. It, it maybe doesn't fit for everybody. This in-season tournament, once we get more information on it, I'm down to see what the response is once it happens. 
maybe we'll like it. Maybe we'll all sit here one day and talk about, do you remember the time that they added the playing tournament or they added this in-season tournament and it just became one of the coolest things to watch? Or maybe we'll say that might have been the stupidest thing that the NBA has ever done. Either way, I'm a proponent of trying new things. And this is just another thing that you can add to the NBA. And as we get more details, we'll figure it out. So uh, that looks like that's going to be something that happens a year from now, not this upcoming season. Uh, Laker fans, I appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Download the ESPN LA podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Download the ESPN LA app and you can catch every Lakers talk show on there. Uh, Always appreciate you guys doing this. Um, Thank you to Trevor Lane. Thank you to Michael Funches. Thank you to Laura Romo. And thank you to Mario Ruiz. Uh, LA, have a great rest of your night.